Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. It's a real privilege this morning to be able to speak. Um, And as James said, we're starting to look to the harvest field more. Um, And so I want to start this morning with... um, um, the harvest field in the community around us because one of the things that's really been <clears throat> on my heart is our community and do you know at the moment our communities are in crisis they are in crisis um, with the food banks we also have um, community chaplains that go out when there's people that we find that are not coping on their own and they go out and make sure they're going to be okay they've got all the services that they require And so we have people who are training as um, community chaplains to come in and they go out and they source places for people to be able to uh, find the help that they need. Um, At the last end of last uh, lockdown, uh, I got a call on my my food bank phone from an older lady who was in um, another area and Grey Power said to me, can you help them out? And I mean, I was at the end of my day, mun. I was ready for a coffee and some dinner and I was ready to just close my mind off and go and have a sleep. And I thought to myself, you know, what sort of Christian, Christian, Christian am I that I would do that to somebody who was elderly? So I turned up at her place with a wagon full of food, and uh, it was, I think it was me and Pat that went. And um, do you know this older lady was saving pieces of food for the next day in our country, in our neighbourhood? She said to us, I've got a tin of tuna that should keep me for a couple of days. I don't need much. Um, I went to the, and we got the call because she'd gone to the supermarket and flaked out at the counter. And according to the Grey Power people, she flaked out because she was weak. She had no food. I mean, that shouldn't be happening in our, in our country, let alone our neighbourhood, right? We are supposed to be the answer to these people's problems, not further problems. And so in our world, we have had, you know, in New Zealand, we've had the mosque shooting. We've had the White Island tragedy. We've had, hello? Yeah. We've had, you know, we've had COVID more than once. And just recently, last week, I mean, who would have thought New Zealand would have had on their phones a warning about the tsunamis, right? And we're going, wow, this is crazy. This is crazy. And then my immediate thoughts turn to my own safety. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I'm sticking it out there for you guys. And I'm thinking, am I going to be okay? Is my family all right? Oh, yeah, we're going to be okay. And that was it. It's sort of my mind just went blank after that, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I'm supposed to be answering the call of a community who don't know Jesus. And if somebody said to me, go out and preach the gospel, I'd go, yeah, man, let's go. But if somebody said to me, go across that river and see if you can get that old lady back across this other side because the river has swollen, I would be thinking like, nah, you get somebody else to do that. 
you know, I'm a, I'm a lady and I'm old. <laughs> I can't do things like that, you know. But I was thinking to myself, you know, it is time for us to mobilise ourselves, isn't it? As children of God, we are, you know, when our communities are in crisis, what are we doing? I ask yourself, what are we doing? Do we watch along with the rest of the world on our televisions and think, wow, that is terrible? And do we look at the impact and think, I hope the government helps them? You know, I hope somebody, emergency services, I hope they'll help. I hope mental health, you know, they're useless, but I hope they help. That's what we say, isn't it? But I want to say, what are we doing as God's people? Even further, what are you doing? When a community is in crisis, where are you? Where am I? You know, the food bank is one thing. But that's, you get to that point where you think to yourself, this is not enough, God. I need to get the answer out there, further out there. I know I've got troubles. I know my plate is full, but let's just ditch the plate and go and look after people. Let's front up. Amen? Let us front up to the people who need us. We have problems, yes, but we can still smile. I mean, what's that? That lady, you know, that lady that I don't know her name says, be kind. What's her name? <laughs> Maybe we want to take a leaf out of her book and be kind. The other day, I was, um, uh, a couple of weeks back, I was walking down the street and I was coming back from Box Fit because I've started boxing to keep fit. And um, I was walking home and there's a lady coming this way. Yes, I know her. And my normal thing is to say, good morning, lovely morning, or good afternoon, lovely afternoon, blah, 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 keep going. That's sort of just... And when I got closer to her, I could see in her eyes that something was not good. And I could have kept going because I wanted my dinner. I had just finished exercising. For goodness sake, Lord Jesus, what are you up to? And I got there, and I could see in her eyes something was wrong. And I said to her, hi. I'll call her Judy. Hi, Judy. How you doing? She said, oh, good, thanks. Good, thanks. And I stopped. You know, normally I just keep walking and go, oh, she's good. Sweet, I'll go home. And I stopped and I said, oh, yeah, how's life? And she burst into tears. And it turns out this poor woman has come from another country. She doesn't speak the language, not really, sort of broken English. And she'd come here with promises from family members that life would be good. Turns out they bring her here, get her to pay rent in one of their houses, and then ditch her, basically. And I just thought to myself, here is the reason that I'm stood here on this piece of grass today. It's just for this lady. And do you know, I couldn't maybe help her with her problems, but she could unload And I could at least have a compassionate heart like Jesus. Amen. That quote that up there, that we should have hard feet and soft hearts, that Jackie Bullinger said, and it says, but normally we have hard hearts and soft feet. So we don't run to where the crisis is. And that's part of what we do. Do you feel really stink now? Sorry. (laughs) You know, (laughs) So we do, we have to actually 
decide that I want to be a part of the answer. And that doesn't mean to say that we, you know, come to church and say, so what can I do for church? You go and look, there are so many portals in our community where you can insert yourself and go and help. There's places that, you know, you know people need just a, a friendly heart, just a sweet voice that will say to them, everything is going to be all right. Don't worry. There are people, if you're that sort of person that needs to pray, <laughs> hey, don't ask us what we're doing as a church. Go and do it yourself. Amen? We can do it ourselves. All of us in this room, I think, have been Christians for a long, long time. We can do it. It's been a blessing to me at Ladies Group. We got together as a ladies uh, group in Faith Point and... Um, we were able to talk to each other about the things that we wanted to do. We wrote up on, on pieces of paper the things that we were going to do. I, I collected them up, put them together and said, now don't come and ask me which group am I in because I don't know anymore. I've chucked that piece of rubbish away. It's up to you guys to do it. So we're looking for initiatives from each of us. Each of us is able to do, and we're not doing it ourselves. It's a spirit of God working in us, amen, that is going to help us to do what we need to do. Because I have had so many people come to me. I'm an ideas person. Well, hey, mate, I have my own ideas. You know, I'm an ideas person. I don't actually get involved. It's like, yeah, whatever, go away suck eggs, something, I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, Jeremiah says this, 29, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for its, as well, for its welfare will determine your welfare. He's put us here to work for the peace and prosperity of our communities, right? And like I said, I'm not saying that you should start something like the food bank. Just a smile. Come out of your house even. Come outside, past the front door, lean over the fence and say, howdy neighbour, how's it going? Amen? That's all it takes. It doesn't take it. Then It's not rocket science. And it says this, you know, we, you know our, our, our thing is, the problem is that we tend to withdraw rather than engage as Christians. We sort of go... Oh, there's a problem, you know, I mean, come on. And that's it. That's it. Peanut butter, peanut butter, marmite, marmite, you know. I mean to say, that's what we do anyway. It's not an added extra because somebody's going through a difficult time, right? Okay. How many people agree with me on my own, my own hikoi? Oh, sweet. We're all in the same... We're all on the same walker. Good one. And Matthew 7, 12 says this, Do to others whatever you would like to, them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. He has put us here to do, not just to talk. To do as well. As I said, there's a lot of people that say, I'm an ideas person. I think take your ideas to God and sort it out. Put some legs on it. Because that's important. It's good to have great ideas. But God has given them to you for you to do something about it. He hasn't given them to you to bring it to me to do something about it because I'll be saying later, potato, it's not going to happen. It's important. Bring your ideas, however crazy they sound. Bring them to God and say, hey, Lord, how do we get started? You know, the food bank started just because I was wandering through the desert, not sure what I was up to. 
I just finished a job. James had asked me to come back and be helping with the church that we were planting. And it was just wandering through that. Somebody said to me, can you help us? I said, yeah, whatever. So I went and helped, and then they all took off and left me with it. <laughs> Promotion, straight away. They came back later on when there was legs on it, and I thought, yeah, whatever, you guys, man. <laughs> so, so he's put us here to do, not just to talk about it, but to do. You may ask yourself, what can I do? And like I said, there's many portals there's many portals, even in this room. If you want to talk to Pam about orphans' aid, she'll help you out with that. If you have a heart for people overseas, go and talk to her. If you want to you know, talk to anybody else about anything that's in community, Atafai will help you. She's put her hand up. Good on you, Atafai. People like her who are involved with the community, they'll give you a job if you haven't got one. I'll give you a job if you haven't got one. I'll make you a job. And this is the thing, we assume that it's going to take all of our time, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because we can put up our hands and say, no, I can do this much and that's it. One job, that's all we need, one job from each of us. But we need to be carrying the gospel into the community and they are not going to listen to you unless you are helping them out. Isn't that right? Don't tell me all your doctrines, get lost, I'm hungry, you know. That's basically what they're saying. Don't tell me all about God and don't tell me about Jesus. I need someone to help me out with my bills. Can you help me? That's all it takes. And God will move through you because you move with a compassionate heart. He can't help it. God can't help but be attracted to you. And because it says this, so in James 2 verse 17, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. I've got to say, as a Christian, I had just faith until God began to speak to my heart. I had faith. I had faith to move mountains. I had faith that could see wonderful things happening. But as soon as somebody said, okay, come and give us a hand, I go, oh, no, nah, it's all right. I got faith, though. I got faith. I'll believe for money for you. I'll believe that God will start this community venture. But I'm not going to, no, too busy, sorry. And see, here's the thing. If God speaks to you, like he didn't speak to Moses so that Aaron would do something really, did he? He spoke to Moses because he wanted him to move something. And it's the same with us. God wants us to move something. So if he's dropped an idea in your head, you know, you want to talk about it to God. And then talk about it with like-minded people. Are you okay? Because Matthew 5 and verse 13 says this, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, of a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And that's what it's all about. It's not that we learn wonderfully and then pass on our knowledge to each other. 
It's that we do these things as unto God and God is glorified. Amen? I mean, all ups to the people who do that sort of the training and teaching from the Bible. That's great. But if it, if it comes to nothing except words, what good is it? What good is it? Amen? What good is it? I, need, I can instruct my kids how to do things, but unless I show them and get involved in their lives and be a parent to them and encourage them and help them along, then it works. But if I just talk and talk and talk, what good is it? Amen. I've got to have a heart of compassion to love that person. I've got to have that heart of compassion. Wherever we are living or whatever area of influence we have, God has made you and me to be a lighthouse. Wherever you are, your family, you're a lighthouse. Your work, you're a lighthouse. You know, your neighborhood, you're a lighthouse. So tell me, how does your light shine? How does your light shine? Instead of that wonderful singing and worshiping God and the great, hi, how are you doing? What's coming out of your house? <laughs> we had to answer that question together. Yeah, he hasn't given me the warning. Don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Where we would have these, I mean, these were magnificent rows him and I would have. And after we'd had one of our magnificent rows, not Recently, it's okay, James, we're all good. We would think to ourselves, what did the neighbours think? You know, the lighthouse went out, the lighthouse would go dark. You know, there would be no, dark, no lights in, in, on that house, on, in that house. It was dark. So we were no longer a lighthouse. And more often than not, by the grace of God, we moved on to another house, <laughs> another, <laughs> another neighbourhood. Awesome, God, thanks. Phew. We get another go. Now, how many times did we move, James? 27 times. <laughs> epic, man, epic. <laughs> but, you know, this is the thing. Are you the lighthouse? Are you the salt in your neighbourhood? Who are you? What do other people see you as? Do they see you even? Or do they say, oh, that's that guy and that lady, they know they're those Christian cult. What's it called? Fairpoint. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't know who we are. I mean, James is like the James is like he's like the the bishop in our area. He just every time something goes down, he goes running around the houses to see everybody's good. And you know, I I take a page out of his book and do the same thing. Um, except that when uh, I can remember one day there was domestic violence over the fence, so I jumped the fence. Probably that wasn't very clever to do. I don't know what I was going to do. Hit him with my handbag, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but this is us. We live in that place. We are the, probably the only representative of God those people will ever see in their lives. So I need to ask you, you know, how's your light shining in your neighbourhood? Does your light even shine? Or does it only come out on Sundays? ta Just like Christmas lights. <laughs> shing, shing. 
you know, all Sunday, all shiny and bright the rest of the week. Where's that light gone? <laughs> but this is who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be out there and engaged, amen? We're supposed to be out there having conversations. It's not a big deal. It's just leaning over the fence and talking to the people next door. This is who we are. And it is a catastrophe when we have a crisis in, in, our, in our world, when we have COVID, when we have, you know, I, really, I really couldn't get my head around the fact that my phone went off and it was saying, you know, basically, tsunami, tsunami, head for the hills. I'm looking at it thinking, this must have come from Mars. We're nowhere near the sea. But, you know, who are you? Who are we when that happens? Do we lean over the fence and say, are you guys all right? Do you want to come with us? Let's go look for a hill together. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to say in those times of crisis. You know, let's go look for a mountain together. I don't know. But, you know, instead of just looking to our personal space, am I okay? Are my kids okay? That's fine. But then it doesn't stop there. We, have to reach, we need to reach out as God's people and say, are you okay? We are surrounded by a young family and an older, older couples and a lady that's just trying to you know, get her head around things. And there are people in there that we know will panic if anything like untoward happens. So if we don't even know whether the people next door, a, a, a husband and wife or a lady on her own, an elder lady, we don't know anybody like that. You know, I need to, I need to ask you, what are you going to do about that when you get home? Are you even going to leave, lean over the fence? Because we are in times of crisis. And I know we look to ourselves and to our own, you know, safety in that, but it's really important that we also think of others. And today I want to talk about two men. That was the intro. Not bad, eh? Uh, so today I want to talk about two men that despite their own desperate situation, they chose to reach into the community that they were in to see others helped and eventually to see them saved. The community was a prison. Awesome. That was their community, and the men were Paul and Silas. Amen. So Acts 16 verse 22 starts like this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So we begin with Paul and Silas. And these guys, you know, in their community, there they are, beaten to a shred. And you would think to yourself, you know, guy, go in the corner, look, lick your wounds, look after yourself. But you know what they did. They didn't do that. Even though they were whipped and they were beaten and they had nothing much to offer, one would think, they decided that they wouldn't stay in that atmosphere of being done for. They weren't going to stay there. And the next scripture says it all. I mean, these guys were beaten and left for dead. There was nothing. It wasn't naughty. It wasn't like that. It was beat, 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 beat. And because people thought that they were, they were, um, they didn't know that they were Roman citizens, they just beat them mercilessly. And so they turn up in their community beaten to a pulp. 
and without anything to show for it, you know. So here they are, these two guys, and it says around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. You know the story, eh? And we think, oh, isn't that wonderful? They sang. They didn't just sing. These guys pushed against what was coming against them. They pushed in that atmosphere. They didn't say, oh, God, you know, just come. They pushed and they sang. I, I mean, I would have loved to be there to, to, to hear them. These guys were singing, singing so good, singing and praying and attracting the presence of God. This is what happens when we find ourselves in the calamity people. Uh, sorry, crisis. In our communities, let's rise to the challenge. Amen? Let's not just slink back, get awkward, and start doing the peanut butter, marmite, marmite, peanut butter thing. Speaking in tongues, that was. <laughs> just in case you didn't know. Let's rise to the challenge and say, this is my time. This is my time. In this community, this is my time. It's not time to slink back. Amen? It's not time to hide in the shadows. We might be beaten just like our neighbours, but we are not going to sit down and take it. We're going to stand up on behalf of our communities. Amen? We're standing up because we are God people. We are the people whom God has anointed and appointed to do this job. Amen? If you are looking for a place to work, do it where you are. Do it where you are. If you hear news of people in your community that are not quite cracking it in life, come on. Don't be like everybody else and walk on the far side of the street. Help. Talk. If they tell you to get lost and get lost, that's okay. But at least try to help them. Try. Let's not be those Christians that just slink away into the shadows and go to our prayer meeting. Sorry, James, I wasn't meaning our one. Or go to Sunday service. Let's be that person that stands up in the name of Jesus, even if it's a word of encouragement, even if it's that. And so Paul and Silas took the bull by the horns and they sang and they prayed and they changed the atmosphere in that prison and they changed it so God was in that space. Amen. And in that space were other prisoners, and they sensed the presence of God as well. And when the, the earth shook, and when the stocks came out, and when the doors flew open and the chains came off, those prisoners were included in that as well, for they sat in the presence of a holy God. Amen. And this is what it's all about. We are catalysts to begin something. We are the head, not the tail. Being the tail and then saying, I should have, I should have, I should have. It's too late. The time has gone. The moment is over. It's gone. Should haves don't live here in our church. Amen. We are the people that will do. We're the will do people. That's our new surname, the will do people. And Paul and Silas, even though the situation was grim and the atmosphere was dark, they chose. That's the thing they did. They chose to 
change the atmosphere. We have a choice. We have excuses too. But remember this, it's not us. It's, we are the arms and the leg, but legs, but God moves through us. Amen? So put all those things aside and say, come on, God, use me. Whatever you want me to do, use me. And they were literally set free in each and every one of those people in the prison. And Paul and, and Silas took the initiative. They got moving. They changed the atmosphere through prayer and worship. They didn't have a church behind them. They didn't belong to an agency. They didn't, they didn't actually have lots and pots of money. They didn't have, you know, the connections. They just went and did it. Just the two of them. Whatever they had in their hand, whatever they had in their heart, Whatever they knew about themselves as children of God, that's all they had, nothing. They had nothing to start with but a belief in God. That's all they had. And so we too should be those people. We move out because of the assurance of who we are in God. End of story. As Americans would say, period. There's nothing more. Amen. So the jailer wakes up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumes the prisoners have escaped, so he draws his sword to kill himself. And Paul shouts, stop, wait. You see, it was expected that the jailer should kill himself because all his prisoners had got free. And you know, if I was Paul and Silas, I'd been beaten, stuck in a prison, uh, stocks on my feet, chained to the wall, if I was them, I'd be saying, quick, run. But their circumstances didn't dictate to them what they should do. And that's the same with us. How often have we run because our circumstances have said so? Did God say so? Oh, I don't know. don't think so. Then why do we let our circumstances dictate to us what we should do? Amen. Our circumstances should never tell us what we should do next. It's a word from God that tells us. Do you know there's a couple of times that James and I have been in um, organisations where we've thought, we need to get out of here, Lord. You know, things are not going the way we thought. The things are not going right. You know, it, it hurts a bit. I don't like the way that's done. I don't like that. And, you know, God has always said to me, you wait. Wait until I say go. You stay where you are until I say go. Because it's all about the timing, isn't it? The timing of God, not the timing of Viv. Because if it was all about my timing, I'd be gone. Gone like anything. Gone. But we wait and we say to God, can, I, can, I, can we leave now? And, and, you know, a couple of times we've said that to God, are we done? And he says, no, we're not done. It's like, ah, oh, stink. I'm allowed to have a complaint every now and again. I'm sure God can't hear me when I'm moaning. Do you reckon? Oh. <laughs> well, I have a good moan and a groan, and then I say, sorry, God, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying right where I am. Okay. And Paul and Silas, you know, it would have been great for them to say, okay, we're free. Let's get out of here. But they said, no, wait, the jailer's going to kill himself. And because of love and grace, these two stayed behind. Because this guy needed to not kill himself for starters. 
circumstances said run, but love and grace said to them, for one soul, stay. And we don't know what's ahead of us. We know what's behind us. We don't know what God has got ahead of us. But there are times when he wants you to stay where you are because there is a soul that needs saving. There is a family that needs you, but you need to stay where you are and wait. And when God's saying you're done, you're done. And you say, well, how do I know? <laughs> you need to get into prayer and get used to and cultivate the voice of God so you know it. It's as simple. I mean, we've been told that since we were little baby Christians, haven't we? It's no biggie. If God says go, you'll know it's time to go. But we need to stay, just like Paul and Silas, just in case there's one more soul that needs saving. Don't move. Don't go anywhere. Don't move. And so the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that what we're looking for? That in the doing of good that we do, that there would be a soul that would say, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be free. And there is a soul that will say, how do I get to know this God who loves you and now I know loves me so much? How do I get to know this God? You see, they didn't preach a gospel message to him. He saw with his own eyes what happened. This jailer, his life was spared. And these two had mentioned to him, no doubt, about the love of God, and he felt it because they brought that atmosphere to them, to him. Amen. That's what we, we are. We are glory carriers. We carry the glory of God with us. And that's why we need to let our light shine. We need to be salty in our communities. We need to be there, Johnny on the spot. We need to be there. And do you know, not everybody will appreciate your help. I've been told more than once, I won't tell you which letter it is, but off. That's the second word. I've been told to do that I don't know how many times. And, you know, somebody says to me, one of the volunteers said to me, how do you know it's time to go? I said, oh, you'll know. Oh, you'll know. You'll know when they don't want your help anymore. So I, get, I stay there wherever it is that God says to stay until somebody tells me to get lost. I'm done. <laughs> because they won't listen to me anymore. And it's this, we've got to be hard-nosed Christians, amen? Not soft, <laughs> he doesn't like me. It's like, come on, pull yourself together. Of course the world is going to dislike you. Actually, they hate you. Get used to it. I mean, mm, get used to the atmosphere of that. Of course they're going to hate you because they hated Jesus first. But our, if we are worth our you know, weight and gold, then we'll understand the hurt that Jesus has been rejected by his own people even. But that's our God. And so they shared the word of God, this is verse 32, with him and all who lived in his household, even at the hour of the night. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately saved. He then brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Isn't that a great story? 
then there are stories being played out now in our community because of Christians who will take the time for one person, one conversation, and that leads them to families and family conversations, and next minute the whole, next minute, the whole whānau is saved, and they come to know Jesus. You know, this is our God. He has a plan, but his first plan is for us to move. We've got to move it. I can remember that preacher that came and said, move it, move it, move it. We've got to move it. We've got to engage. We've got to not slink away. We're going to not get mixed up in all our doctrines and, hey, there's a world out there in crisis. And one day we can share the doctrines with them, but right now they need somebody to help them get saved. They need someone who will take the first step and be engaged. Amen? Amen. You know that man, he got up and he, he fed them and he nursed their wounds. He did exactly what Paul and Silas did. They got motivated first up. So this guy, he was basically mimicking what he'd seen happen with Paul and Silas. They did something of a practical nature. And so we want to see disciples like that. Amen. I remember watching a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. Has anybody seen that one? A great movie. And a young Christian man who joined the army and vowed and declared that he wouldn't use a gun. So he became a medic. And in the midst of the battle, with artillery firing around him, he ran into the battlefield and found the wounded and carried them back to safety. During this time, his prayer was, just one more soul, Lord. Just one more soul. This Thought spurred him on to run through the battle, to reach out to one more person who he could help and give another chance at life. And do you know, today, how many souls are we willing to reach out to? To encourage them towards another shot at life. Despite yourself, how many can you reach out to, to be Jesus' arms and legs and hands and heart to? How many? How many are there? So that's me. I'm done. Why don't we stand? I know this morning, you know, it's a difficult thing to talk about going and reaching people who don't, don't know Christ. But one of the things that we all know as a people, you're not in this, to, not in this by yourself. You're in this together. You look around the people around you. Have a look. Have a look. Not bad looking, some of them. Some of them. <laughs> but this is, this is the, the army that will step out with you. These are the people, if they love Jesus like you do, you can ask them to help you. You don't have to do this on your own. You know, we were, we've been learning in ladies' ministry about reaching out to one another, being in, in, being in family together, being in team together. This is your team, people. And outside of this church, there's churches all over West Auckland, all over this city, all over this nation and the nations of the world. We're a big family and we look after one another. We take care of each other, but we also step out as the army of God together. Amen. So let's pray.